Welcome to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. We coach people every day on their money and how to plan for the future. As financial advisors, we're here to have an honest conversation and educate you on investing, retirement, and everything in between. And we'll throw in some sports talk along the way. Our mission and goal of this podcast is to improve your money journey and help you create the financial life you deserve. So let's talk money. And sports. Welcome back to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I am Bailey Ashbrook, Investment Advisor Representative at Central Financial Group and Go Hawkeyes. Biggest Caitlin Clark clan, oh, yeah. fan in the, in fan the state girl of in, Iowa, right? Fan girl and hard. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cole Peterson, Investment Advisor Representative. And uh, I watched the entire Iowa-Indiana women's game from tip to uh, the last shot. And I can't say I've done that very frequently with a women's basketball. We ain't nothing against women's basketball, but man, that was one of the best games I've seen Ever. Men's, women's, whatever, NBA. I mean, that was awesome. Cole Jasky, financial advisor. Uh, yeah, Hawkeyes. Just this can be a Hawkeye podcast because the yeah. male, the male uh, boys basketball team had a uh, crazy setup too the, yeah. the day before. So yeah, I didn't see that one, but yeah. I did see the score on that one. But um, Caleb Westall, producer of How to Money with Cole and Cole, um, uh, digital designer at Spin Market. I don't watch women's basketball at all. And I saw that highlight of Caitlin Clark everywhere. So, She's you know, it was huge. You know, it was huge when it popped up in my feed because I don't watch women's basketball. When Patrick Mahomes is tweeting, tweeting you. Yeah. You know yeah. you've made it. And this yeah. is why I'm excited for our guest because she's a female guest. And you know how I feel about females in space. And we're going to, so stay tuned. We're going to talk some sports. We're going to have the financial lit lady, Joey Beach, here in a moment. But. And I can confirm she's a Hawkeye women's basketball fan. Yes. <laughs> but that's why you got to fit in then. Yeah, I appreciate women owning their space. And Caitlin Clark is. When I tell you, I went to that game and I got to bring Cole's wife and she can attest to this. There was no empty seat. I've never seen a woman's game that packed. And the following Caitlin Clark is bringing to it, it's amazing. It's astonishing. And watching her live, oh my gosh. Don't what fact check me on this, but uh, I saw, I don't know, a tweet or something, but it was the loudest uh, Carver Hawkeyes, the <gasps> registered, um, you know, when she hit the game winner. The oh decibels. my God. Yeah. The loudest we it's are, ever been. So supposedly, I don't know if that's true or not. But. I believe that. Cause we all jumped and like Chelsea, we were like high-fiving, like you were high-fiving. Chest bumping. Yeah. Everyone was high-fiving around. It was crazy. It was a great game. Hey, Caitlin, what did you think when the, when the, uh, shot left your hand? It was money. money. <laughs> and I love it. Cause some people, and we were just talking about this, uh, prior, we won't talk about too much, but some people, you know, give her a little whatever for being emotional i'm like men are emotional all the time see they're looking at me sports are emotional but she yeah. is that. You, she is so invested in the entire game and her team and it, it was incredible i actually say if you don't show emotion playing sports then you don't care enough yeah like yeah. if you don't show any emotion you don't care yeah right it's the same thing like when tom brady's yelling at his teammates on the sideline and people like, yeah. are like why is he screaming at his offensive line it's like well, because yeah. he cares because he wants to win the game my teammates and me we used to yell at each other all the time and it wasn't like we were mad at each other. It's like, oh, crap. Like, sometimes you just need to be put in place during the game. So Motivation, was, right? Yeah. It was exciting. And the lead changes, why they let Caitlin Clark catch the ball, I have no idea. But it was it was exciting. Yeah, it was. Great it was game. awesome. All right. Well, let's bring on our special guest, shall we? We shall. All right. Welcome back. I'm really excited to have Joey Beach. Uh, financial lit lady and also wrote a girl's guide to personal finance. Joey, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tell us a little about yourself. How'd you become the financial lit lady? That's a great name, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Actually, let's hear the story. So I didn't come up with it myself. I last spring was speaking at 
um, Orbis, which is this great program in the Inkeny community school system. And it was juniors and seniors. And we spent two days just talking about financial literacy. And then a week or two later, I happened to be at the school for something totally different. And one of the students came up and nudged the principal who I was talking to and said, hey, is that the financial lit lady? That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. You're lit. You were lit. That's yeah. great. You're like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I answered to that, yeah. Yeah, so so when you say financial literacy, tell tell me what your definition of that is, just just for the the audience. The you know we we do a lot of uh, financial advisor speak here, so we try to try to just uh, you know make sure that our our audience knows what that means. So so define your financial literacy, what that means for you. For me, it means having enough understanding about uh, personal finance that you feel comfortable making decisions on your own or knowing when to talk to somebody else. It means you are, you can filter some of the information because there's so much information out there these days. And I believe it's those core financial concepts that are key. And once you know those, then the then the technology may change, the terms may change, the acronyms may change, there may even be different currencies out there, but those concepts remain the same. And those are the things that I think if everybody has a comfort level and understanding of those concepts, then no matter what they do or what evolves in their lifetime, they'll be able to handle it. It's kind of like a baseline. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you described it. And is that what the book is about? Or? Yeah. It really is about those core concepts of, you know, how to understand your paycheck, how to make sure the money's going where you want it to go based on your priorities, how to make those financial decisions from the everyday little things to the big purchases like cars and houses, and then investing and saving and, of course, compound interest Mm -hmm. and all those core things that throughout life will apply. And if you can understand them, you'll be better positioned. Well, that's super interesting, but, but take us, take us back. Yes. How, how'd you get here? How did you get to, to be the financial lit lady? You know, you told us yeah. about the name, but yeah. uh, give us a little bit about your background. Well, it's a longer road. So I grew up in the Southern suburbs of the twin cities and went to the university of Minnesota and got my degree in training and development. And while I was there, I fell in love with an Iowa guy go hawks darn iowa yeah, guys that was just gonna yeah. say well, so you went from a gopher fan to a hawkeye fan i'm both okay, uh, okay. all right he was a gentleman yes um uh, but so i ended up in northern iowa he's from brit he was living in algona at the time so when we got married i moved to algona and i got in at pharmacist mutual and that was my first really entry point into you know the financial world and got my life at, uh, life and health and um license and learned as much as I could about that aspect of insurance and the financial industry. And then we ended up moving to Des Moines. So I got in at Principal Financial Group and it was great because they paid me to learn about personal finance. They not only wanted me to really understand in every detail our products and the products I was assigned, but to understand how those products fit in the much bigger picture of a good financial plan. Principal Financial Group, obviously, I was there for 12 years. We've covered that on the podcast several times, but it's they have a great training program. I mean, they are, they are all about getting you trained up and getting you in the right position to be able to talk about the products and be able to learn as much as you can about it. So I could see how you, you know, really felt like, you know, they were paying you basically to learn about financial literacy. 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, because a lot of people go, oh, you know, I don't want to grow up and work in insurance, but it's a great training ground. And, you know, it's also a large organization. So I ended up working over the 20 years there with lots of different products and different angles. And each time I grow, grew and learned more. Yeah, I went to uh, my my daughters are, kin- are in kindergarten. I have twin daughters in kindergarten. I went to their, uh, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up type of thing. And, and I didn't see anybody said insurance salesman <laughs> or, or financial advisor. It was all like pilots, professional soccer teacher. player, teacher. Teacher was a, yeah, there's a lot of teachers. Yeah. You know? yeah. We need more teachers. So. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. For sure. So, um, so, so then you, then you got to the point where you were at principal yeah, and then you transitioned to the Ankeny and economic development corporation, correct? Yes. Yes. And now you have transitioned to the financial lit lady full time, correct? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, partway through my stint at Ankeny economic development corp, I had, um, we were at the Iowa game at a football tailgate and visiting. My daughter was a student there at the time and some of her friends came over to the tailgate and we were chatting and they were about, a lot of them were about to graduate in really great fields and make a good income. But it was kind of clear that they weren't exactly sure what to do with it. And my, and then on the way home, I heard one of those commercials about that. Hey, come down, get this big thing and you know, we'll take all your money and you'll feel good about it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I hope those ladies understand where to put their money so that it works for them and not necessarily end up in the hands of people who weren't necessarily looking for their best interest. And I told my husband, I'm like, somebody should write a book. And he goes, yeah, you should. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh that's how it got started. I was going to uh-huh. say, cause you seem very passionate about helping people. And I was just kind of wondering how you took the full dive into doing this. So you must just like really care about educating people. I do. That, and, and it goes back to my degrees in training and development. And so I never saw myself as an as a school teacher because that's a tough job. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, um, I'm not built for that. But be, it was kind of a combination of my finance, my personal interests and passions combined with my professional education that I got working at Principal and Pharmacist Mutual and other places that really kind of came together. And the result was a girl's guide to personal finance. Nice, nice. What what is uh what would you say like the most common question when you're speaking or you're you're at an engagement or you're at a podcast taping a podcast with a group of uh, financial advisors? What, what's your most common question that you feel like you get, and um, how do you feel like maybe you could combat that question that you know maybe it doesn't get asked as frequently? Well, what surprised me, especially early on, was regardless of the audience I was speaking to. One of the, during the Q&A was always, how do I talk to, you know, the, my parents, they're aging and I'm worried they're going to have enough money. How do I talk to my sister? She's my twin. I'm worried that she's not, you know, not managing her money and not saving enough to how do I talk to my kids about money and so on and so on. It was to, to the point where I just started building it into my presentations because it's, while Money is such a big part of our life. We are not good talking about it. And I also had some of, you know, I'll I'll blame Bob the boomer, but he's like, you know, they're not teaching financial literacy anymore. (laughs) And, you know, not how to check, you know, balance your checkbook. And I don't think it's true. I think the teachers are doing a really good job. I think our students want to learn and are hard at it. But I think as a society, we're not talking about it enough. And if you don't talk about it, you don't learn it. 
I would and agree with that. It's such a big part of our everyday life that we need to make make financial literacy part of our everyday life. I yeah. feel like a lot of people, if they just don't look at it or talk about it, they just then they're not going to worry about. It. Like I have friends and I'm younger that they're just like, oh, you know, I just it's not my thing, so I'm not going to. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to learn about it. Or I think you're they're so intimidated by it, or they miss that basic conversation that I think you're teaching and speaking to people about. Well, and there's a perception that you have to be really good at math. Yes. And if you didn't make it through calculus with A's, you weren't going to be good at it. And the reality is, you know, we all love those great stories about the janitor who worked, you know, who died and left, you know, $5 million to the school because he saved all his money and invested it. It's all relative, right? We're, you're, you're always, you know, with money, I feel like everyone's, it's, you can measure it, right? So everyone's always measuring, oh, I should have this amount of money. Or how much should I have? And it's a, it's a tough thing because it's always based on the individual. Like, I don't need the same amount as Cole or Bailey or you. Um, and it's, it, yeah, and I think a lot of people are intimidated by that, by that conversation. Yeah, some of, the, some of the wealthiest clients that I have seen never made over $100,000 a year. They were just good at saving and good at, and they had a plan from the start. They had a plan from age, you know, 22 on mm -hmm. that they were going to retire at 65 and they wanted this amount of money and they were going to invest. And so it doesn't necessarily always mean you have to make a bunch of money to have a bunch of money at the end. You just have to have a plan. Um, and that's, and that's kind of where we, you know, where we come in with people, uh, that we, you know, try to teach them about coming up with a plan and coming up with a, a way to save your money instead of just, you know, kind of willy nilly throwing money into your 401k and doing or this trusting and trusting someone that just said, Oh, this is the best product for you. That's what you should do with your money. Wealthy is a tough yeah. term though. Right. I, I, I always think of like what's considered wealthy. Well, each person right. has a different definition of that and same thing. And that's where the money, money conversation is like 250,000 might be enough for some people. Some people might need 5 million. It just kind of depends on it and, and really comes back to having the conversation. It's the concept of enough and enough is different and relevant for everybody. I know where I'm at. I make the you know decisions. I would love to have the bigger, fancier house and all the great new decor. But I've made the calculation that that means it would put push off my retirement. And I'm like, you know what? This is house, house is enough because I'm going to get a couple more years of my life, but I'm going to live with less decor. Yeah. I'm good with that. I think when you see the end in sight, you can do that. I think a lot of people get caught up in right now. What do I want right now? What makes me feel good right now? But instant I, gratification. Yes. You know? And mm -hmm. I, and I, especially in today's world, I feel like keeping up with the Jones is so different because of, I mean, Instagram, everybody has the most perfect house on Instagram or the perfect birthday party. And their kids like have the, they're turning five and the birthday party. I'm like, okay guys, like this stuff, I'm not trying to be, this costs money and this adds up and you're, you're missing out. Like sometimes not all this matters. You're just got to stay with the end in mind type of thing. And that's what it sounds like you're doing. It, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think the pressure, especially for parents these days, mm -hmm. to make sure their child has not only all of the, you know, keep them safe, keep them healthy, but also give them the best birthday party every year. And that's a lot of pressure, not to mention a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, ultimately, I'm not sure how much those kids are going to remember, but they're going to remember, you know, were we safe, were we comfortable, were my parents stressed out all of the time? Yes. And I think that that stress factor is a big part of it, too, is because I'm a firm believer in that if you overextend yourself, you're stressing yourself out. And I can tell you so many stories of people who are like, okay, well, I'm really stressed because I mean, you know, need to get this thing because it'll help me relax. 
I'm like, well, <laughs> will it? Yeah, exactly. Like, will it? Yeah. I'm like, it literally had that conversation. I'm like, okay, the whole you're you're worried about the, the, how much this will cost you, but the reason you're doing it is to reduce your stress. Maybe there's another way we could get at that. Right, exactly. Because exactly. then you're just going to look for the next thing that you're going to yep. purchase. Yeah. That's going to make you feel better. So. All right, so let's go back to the question that that I asked you. Is like, what's your most common question? Now, now, how do you answer this? So the most common question, I'll just ask you the question as if okay. it was me asking you. Um, how do I talk to my parents about money? I think I'm not sure if they have enough. I'm not sure if they you know, saved pr- properly, and, and I, I don't know anything that's going on there. How do I talk to my parents about that? Well, first I would say is understand that talking about money is a shame trigger for a lot of people. And so it's not like bringing up the what you watched over the weekend or a sporting event. You have to be very careful and understand that there's a, often emotions tied to that. And that's one of the biggest things is just recognizing that. And I think the more you can approach it in a non-judgmental way, and then even show your priorities, you know, if you can broach the topic with it, hey, I'm worried about this, you know, is there something I can help you with as this progresses? Um, Because I think it's taking the judgment out, um, being comfortable and understanding there, there's a lot of emotion behind it. And then there's the other things like pick the right time. You know, there's, I know with my husband and I, I know there's some clear times never to bring up something. And then there's other times like, you know, we're on a long road trip and we have plenty of time and nothing else to do. That's a great time to talk about it or having a cocktail on the deck. That's a great time to bring it up because everybody's relaxed. You're not at the height of other emotions or distractions. So um, kind of matters what number cocktail it is, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's, if it's three or five, yeah. might not be the best time yeah. to bring it up. If it's one or two, then it's an okay time to bring it up, right? right? Well, I'm not a big drinker, so I'm that might reflect it. But no, absolutely, because the because while the other is, if you've had too many, then a lot of people push it off like, like oh, that was the beer drinking, right? Yeah. Or you know, the beer talking, yeah. and right. it's like, no, that was. Probably no, I really want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, I think it's time for us to go to a break. Right. And uh, so we'll come back with uh, Joey Beach Financial Lit Lady. Thank you for being here. And uh, we'll uh, we'll take a break now. This podcast is produced by Spin Market and Digital. Located in Fort Dodge, Iowa, Spin Market's highly skilled team can help you increase your market by updating your website, improving SEO, designing advertisements, and producing podcasts that will grab the attention of your market. Contact Spin Market today for all your digital marketing needs at digitalagent at spinmarketwith2ks.com or call us at 515-302-8026. And to learn more, visit our website at www.spinmarketwith2ks.com. That's digitalagent at spinmarket.com or 515 515- 302-8026 or visit our website www.spinmarketwith2ks.com Welcome back. I'm excited because we're going to have our first guest do the dollars and cents. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. All right, Joey. Dollar. Yeah, did you like that? You have great sound effects. Yeah, that's wonderful. Shout out, Caleb. Shout out, Caleb. So we have dollars and cents. Usually Cole and Cole do it. So we just do a little lesson for the uh, audience here. And you're going to do dollar cost averaging. Yeah, so she was talking about a tip that 
that she, she had given some people, and I thought that would be a good thing for us to do. So dollar cost averaging on the way in, we talk a lot about that as financial advisors, you know, to be consistent, put money in at different times of the market. Don't try to time the market mm-hmm. um, by putting everything in at once all the time. So dollar cost averaging on the way out, I'll let you to go that. Yeah. So I probably, because of my age, I run into a lot of people who are nearing retirement and I was at a Halloween party and uh, somebody's like, Joey, I'm freaking out. The market's going down and I'm going to retire in, you know, two to five years. And she's all get down. I'm like, okay, one, you can't marry the high point of your account. It's going to hit highs and it's going to go up and down. You can't just tie yourself to that one high point. The other is dollar cost average out. We know you should consistently put some in at regular intervals as you're saving you can do some of that on the way out too, so that you're not at the risk, like a friend of mine who, you know, the mark, the day the market was the lowest, he didn't have somebody to call or chose not to and pulled most of it out of the market that day. Where I recommend pull a little bit out as it's getting going up and you see, hey, that's great. Yay. Maybe I'll take just a little bit out and may and set it into something that's interest bearing, not going to go up and down a lot. And that way, my first couple months or year is going to be taken care of. And I'm not at risk. I'm not risking the 20 years I saved for, for the really just the next six months that I need. Yeah, people have reverse psychology when it comes to that. They think I want to put more money in the market as it's going up and take money out as it's going down. And it actually should be opposite. I know we talk about that kind of a lot. So it's kind of the the emotional side. Everyone's happy when the right. market's going up and they feel like, oh, it's you know very very easy. But really, it's the downside and the negative emotions you really got to control. That's when it really becomes tough to be an investor. Well, and I think everybody's like, okay, I keep saving for this one goal and then think, okay, well, you're not going to retire one day and spend it all then. Yep. You really <laughs> That's a great yeah. point. That's a yeah, great way to is. say that. I like don't marry the high point. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've never heard that I'll one I'll use before, that yeah. one. That's a, that is a, a good term. Yeah. Tips for financial yeah, advisors for by us, Joey man. Beach. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, don't marry the high point. All but. right, Joey, I'm really interested in this as a female and just, I think it's so cool you wrote a book. So you wrote A Girl's Guide to Personal Finance. What, why'd you write it? What made you say, this is why I'm going to write a girl's guide to personal finance? Well, I mentioned, you know, the my daughter and students at the University of Iowa who kind of inspired it and gave me the first idea. But then when I was sitting down to write it and I had a blank piece of paper and I've read, you know, read a lot of financial books. And then I'm thinking, why would anybody want to read this? And particularly young women. So I wanted to make it interesting, and I thought, okay, why am I interested in this topic? And it all comes back to my mother. You know, in the 70s when um, the laws were much different and society was much different, she was in a hard point where she was faced with raising three kids on her own. And that's, I learned the lessons the hard way because I watched the difficulty she had. And so that's what made it interesting for me. And I wanted to make sure that other young women didn't have to go through what she did. So that was really the, why I focused on women was the personal stories. And because I wanted to make it interesting for them, the most, another common question I get is when are you writing the guy's guide? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And honestly, my son actually was very helpful in, in writing the girl's guide and giving me some good feedback. It's, it's been drafted. 
um, oh, but has awesome. not yet has not yet come out. Oh, um, we get a sneak. I, we get a sneak peek. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you know. All yeah. right, we'll have to have you back on. That's then. awesome. Talk about yeah, when you when you, when it comes out, we'll have to have you back on. But I can I can see the passion in your eyes, and and I I, I believe in real life storytelling. You know why you wrote the book? You you saw your mother struggling, and and also you know this whole thing with your with your daughter. So it's it's great to have a story behind why you write the write the book. So. Who would you, so you're saying the target audience is younger women or is it women throughout any age or who, who would pick this book up and be like, this is beneficial? Well, the great thing is throughout the ages, but I think some of it is where you're at in your kind of relationship with money. So it was really designed for that, that new person in their career. That's who I will say benefit the most because it really kind of lays out, here's the things to be set, setting yourself up for success over the next, you know, couple years to lifetime career. At the same time, what I have found is it does help women of all ages. And actually I've had some great reviews, some from gutsy guys, but the idea is also for mothers. It's a great way to start that conversation with your kids because a lot of times one of the reasons we don't talk about money with kids or other people is that we don't we aren't confident in ourselves well hopefully i am giving them some information to where they could say hey i just read about this what do you think or did you realize this fact and it can be a conversation starter too i love that i love that what do you, what do you think uh I guess I'm sure you've gotten some views or, you know, your daughter or people have read the book. What's the, maybe one of the biggest impact points from the book that you've seen or gotten from feedback uh, from someone? Um, is that it's not that scary. And somebody actually said, and I think it was a comment. She was like, I actually enjoyed this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, money can be interesting and it doesn't have to be all spreadsheets and calculations because so much of our financial life is about day-to-day -day decisions and habits we develop. And that's really where I focus and helping people understand what the, what the impact that those decisions have on themselves, on the people around them and on their long-term life. All right. So you wrote a book. You can find it. Where can you find your book? Amazon.com or go to my website, which will direct you to Amazon. It's joeybeach.com and it's J-O-E-Y-B-E-E-C-H. Awesome. So you have a website, you I podcast, do. you do speaking engagements. That's your full-time gig. How do people find you? How do they hire you? Or what do they hire you for? You know, it's evolved. What's been really interesting this past year is that I've started to, like, I work with Green State Foundation to provide some financial literacy content. They wanted to go beyond just the kind of generic financial literacy stuff that you find on a lot of websites. And so I'm working with them to provide and put some, you know, uh, more robustness to their financial literacy information. And then I've had employers have me in for lunch and learns. What um, they're finding is they're spending lots of money and time and energy to um, provide great benefits and a salary to, uh, to their employees. But a lot of times those employees may not appreciate all the benefits they have or how that those benefits can really impact their life. So most recently, a lot of employers have been bringing me in just as a supplement to, you know, here's some general stuff about personal finance that I can share in a way that doesn't work with HR. 
what an added benefit and how smart for employers because I feel like so many people have benefits and they don't understand what these benefits are. So like, oh, I didn't look at it. I mean, we talk about time. Oh, I didn't enroll in my 401k. I don't know what a match is. You know what I mean? And I think you're just bringing light to that. That's awesome. What would you say your mission is with your job now as financial lit lady? Oh, thanks for asking. I really is. My mission is to help everybody get comfortable with their oral money because I think when they are, we are all better off. I love that. I love that mission because I feel like just talking about it is the key and learning about it is the key. And that's what it sounds like you're doing. So if you could give one advice, financial advice to anyone, what was, what would be the best advice you got or you would give someone today? Oh, well, it's what everybody says, save. You know, I, I often ask students or anybody I talk to, you know, finish this sentence. I will manage my money today so I can. And it's the answer to that question that really will drive people to um, manage their money so that they can do the things they want. Their why. Their yeah, why. Write, yeah, exactly. And write it, and how write you, it down. How would yeah, you answer that yeah. question, Bailey? Oh, you want me to answer? Yeah. Okay, sorry, you, ask me the question. Yeah. Finish this sentence. Oh, boy. I will manage my money today so I can live comfortably and exactly how I want when I retire. Clock. Oh. Good job. Thanks. It's fun to see. So I put it on a card that's the exact same size as a dollar bill and have people put it in their wallet. And one of the students I ran into recently is like, yeah, I still have that in my wallet. That's oh, awesome. I love that's awesome. that. That's, that's awesome. such a good tip. And to hear, you know, it's from the student's perspective, you know, sometimes it's so my family can live a stable life so that I can get through college. So, I mean, it's just fun to hear the answers to that question. And then when you see it all the time, you're going, I mean, it keeps it front of mind. I love yeah. that tip. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. so good. Yep. We're big on goals and put them up. So that's great. I feel like we barely broke the ice with everything you know, and we could easily have you back and have another episode. But tell people where they could find you, like wh- how to contact you, how to get a hold of Joey Beach. That's a great question. I am working to get better at social media. I am on LinkedIn. Uh, time out. I do know a company that could help with that, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Plug just, Caleb. The, good job there. So um, LinkedIn at first, and pretty much if you find Joey Beach, J-O-E-Y-B-E-E-C-H, um, LinkedIn, uh, Spotify under Financial Lit Lady, joeybeach.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, Joey Beach Author. And I think that's it. Awesome. That's a lot. That's great. Yeah, and you have your yeah. podcast. Go listen to it. Go read your book. And we appreciate you so much. Anything else, guys? Uh, a girl's guide to personal finance. Look at uh, look at it up on Amazon.com, and uh, you can always find us uh, at centralfinancialgroup.com, uh, cfgfortdodge.com, and uh, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So, thank you. Thank Great you. having you. Oh, I gotta thank do you, my Joey. quote, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is fun. Okay, ready? Honestly, I thought it was money. Caitlin Clark. Go Cubs. You've been listening to How to Money with Cole and Cole, the podcast of the Central Financial Group, courtesy of Spin Market. To learn more, visit their website at www.centralfinancialgroup.com and follow them on all their social media platforms. For now, I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. And we'll see you on the greens. Four. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated, Member FINRA SIPC, Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services 
referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated. Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only, and it is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification does not insure against loss. Any guarantees discussed refer only to fixed insurance products and are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company.